Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Hello, let's read Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father God, these words are very familiar to many of us. We pray, Father, that the familiarity would not breed contempt in our hearts, but that we might hear your voice in them, that we might sense your calling to be a people who ask and seek and knock, trusting in your goodness in your favour, in your presence with us. So, Father, we invite you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we meditate and think about these words. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, what is the Sermon on the Mount? What is it? Well, obviously, it's a sermon, and it's a sermon preached by Jesus. If you like, it's the the constitution of his church. This is the way that his followers and that his community, God's new community on earth, it's the way they are to live. It's the way they are to behave the way they are to practice their faith. This sermon leads us into deep fellowship with God. It, It calls us to have tender hearts towards him. It, It draws us to pursue him. It demands that we would be gracious and generous charitable, that we would seek justice and live in charity, agape, love to those around us. This is the call of God's new community on earth. And it's hard. This is what uh, biblical scholar Arthur Pink writes He has forbidden in this sermon every angry word, every malignant wish, 
every impure desire, every revengeful thought. That's the demand on us as we read this sermon. He has told us, enjoined us to the most unsparing mortification of our dearest members. He's talking about when Jesus says, look, if you even look lustfully, you know, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand. Nothing is more important than entering into heaven. Enter into heaven in part rather than go to hell in whole. Arthur Pink goes on. He's commanded the loving of our enemies, the blessing of those who curse us, the doing good to those who hate us, and the praying for those who not only despitefully use us, but also persecute us. I don't know about you, but I think this is impossible. This is impossible. My, my pastor growing up, Jim Graham, used to say the Christian life isn't hard. It's impossible without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Without the outpouring of God, of himself upon us, in our inmost being, quickening our own hearts and lives, empowering our own courage, this life is utterly impossible. Just in, in the last few verses in this sermon, which isn't a series of good thoughts strung together. In the last few verses, Jesus has told us not to judge others, lest we be judged. I mean, again, so impossible. And then in the next breath, has asked us to judge those who are dogs and those who are swine from those who are wanting pearls. Impossible unless God comes to us. Seek first the kingdom of God. That urgency, that, that single-minded nature of searching, it's impossible because we live in a world full, full of distractions, full of trinkets and baubles that are so pleasing to the eye good for gaining wisdom, that we err so easily. We find it almost impossible to lay up treasure in heaven because treasure on earth takes up so much of our attention. The Christian life isn't hard. It's impossible unless God meets with us. That's why this is here. This passage of asking, seeking, knocking, it, it is not a fresh thought that Jesus is just throwing in at this particular point in the sermon. This is here 
to explain how we are going to live this sermon. This is the means by which we will live. This is Don Carson, excellent biblical scholar. He writes this, The Sermon on the Mount lays down the righteousness, sincerity, humility, purity, and love expected of Jesus' followers. And now, in this passage, he assures them that such gifts are theirs if sought through prayer. John Carson, very similar to Pink, says, the sermon has begun with an acknowledgement of personal bankruptcy, blessed are the poor in spirit, and has already provided a, 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 a model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Now, in verses 7 of chapter 7, in three imperatives, ask, seek, knock, symmetrically repeated and in the present tense to stress the persistence and sincerity required, Jesus assures his followers that far from demanding the impossible, he is providing the means for the otherwise impossible. So Jesus gives us Three ways of praying, each slightly different from the other. Different seasons in our life, different occasions require us to respond to God in slightly different ways. I mean, we can do all of them at the same time, actually, about different situations and different uh, possibilities, different troubles, trials that are in our life. Uh, One person put it like this, if you can't ask, seek, and if you can't seek, knock, and if you can't knock, ask. And so it goes. There is a way to pray for you. So let's have a, a look at these together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Ask. This uh, word ask, as Don Carson noted, is in the present tense. It's a present imperative. It's a present command. Jesus is saying, keep on asking. Don't stop asking. Make it your life's work to ask God. Now, now people sometimes say to me, Andy, if God knows what I need before I ask him, why do I need to ask him? Why can't I just leave it all in God's hands? God is going to do what God is going to do. You may feel that. I occasionally feel that. Well, God commands us to ask him throughout the Bible. We're commanded again and again and again to ask God. And the reason is quite surprising. The reason is that God loves our voice. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 14 says, Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the hill, 
Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. That's what God says to his people, to his bride, the church. I love to hear your voice. God could have given us everything all at once, everything we'll ever need, every bit of courage, every piece of wisdom. He could have given us everything in one huge down payment when we became Christians, but he didn't because God treasures the intimacy. If he'd given us everything already, we would have grown independent of God. And he longs for us to be dependent. There is something about great dependency in this idea of asking and having to keep asking like a beggar outside a, a, a shop sleeping on cardboard who may ask for, for some money for food or drink or something else. The asking in need. And God says, I'm your benefactor. I'm your help. I'm an ever-present help. In times of trouble, ask me. There's, there's another reason why God wants us to ask him is it builds our faith. When we ask God and we see him answer our prayers, our faith is strengthened. Uh, a friend of mine, Victor, uh, just the other day said, said to me, it's a bit like going to a world famous chef. And the world famous chef says, I I'll make you anything you ask for. And Victor said to me, maybe you you'd go in a bit gently to start with. Uh, you know, could you, could you make me a uh, poached egg on toast? Uh, and the, the chef says, of, of course, and, and, and makes this poached egg on toast. Uh, and it's beautiful, it's delicious. And, and so you realize you could actually ask him for something a bit more complicated. And, uh, and again, he serves this. Uh, and again, you ask him, could you make me duck confit? And he does, and it tastes beautiful. Each time your trust in the chef, your faith in the chef is enlarged. Now, it's a great picture in some ways. It's a poor analogy in others because I don't want you to believe that, that, that God is some kind of uh, genie in a lamp, that, that we would rub the lamp and the genie would give us three wishes saying, uh, your wish is my command. On the contrary, the, these words are written so that we would say to him, oh Lord, your command is my wish. Help me. So that's what Jesus is saying in the context. Living this life out is hard. Ask for help in the journey. 
Your command is my wish. Make it my wish, O Lord. Keep asking God. The second thing that that Jesus says is seek and you will find. Now, of course, we've, we've heard this word seek just a few moments ago in the sermon where Jesus has told us to seek first the kingdom of God. And of course, these two are linked. Jesus is saying, keep going. Don't give up seeking as your priority the kingdom of God. There's no way that these two words, these two ideas, these two thoughts in the sermon are disconnected from one another. They are not. Jesus is saying we do the seeking on our knees. We keep going. There is an activity to this. There is an urgency to this. Jesus has said, do it before you do anything else. This is ground zero. This is where we start from and where we finish, seeking the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is doing here. Seek first. Now, this idea of seeking in classical Greek also carries with it the idea of thinking, an intellectual or philosophical pursuit of ideas. And so, Jesus also, or or the one who translated this into the Greek, is carrying with it the the idea of us meditating on all he has done and all he is. And of course, Jesus is going to do that towards the end of this passage. Think about what God is like. What kind of God? So what does that mean? That's what we're being asked to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek in prayer. Seek God. Search for him. Ponder him. Consider his ways. Think about his answers in the past. Think about his encouragements. Think about all the things he has done. Think about Peter in prison and the brothers and sisters praying diligently for him, and the angel opening the prison doors. Think about these things. And then Jesus gives another word. So he said, ask, seek, and he says, knock. Knock. Now, this, again, is, is not passive. You cannot passively knock. And like the word ask and like the word seek, this is also a a present imperative. Uh, Keep knocking. Have you heard the phrase as dead as a doornail? Well, have you ever wondered where that comes from? Well, it comes from the fact that that old-fashioned doors before electricity didn't have buzzers and things. They had a big door knocker. And the door knocker wouldn't knock against the wood because the wood would be damaged and weathered and and have all kinds of problems. So so the the door knocker crashed against, you guessed it, a doornail, a big nail with a huge flat head. And the door knocker would be repeatedly knocked against the door knocker, making it bruised, dented, 
perhaps misshapen eventually from all the use. Thus, the saying, dead as a doornail. That's where it comes from. And so when, when Jesus tells us to, to knock, keep knocking, there is a persistency. There is a, an ongoing effort into our prayers. We need to keep going. Jesus illustrated this in another place when he told them a parable uh, to, to tell them to, to keep praying and not give up because we're apt to do that. You know, one of the reasons we don't pray is because we think, well, it doesn't work or it's too much effort or I haven't got time. Jesus says, I want you to keep knocking. I want you to be like the persistent widow who, who knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks to get justice from a judge who quite frankly doesn't care less. But because of her persistence, will give in to her cry. And Jesus, of course, makes the point that God is no unwilling judge. He is the judge of all the earth, yes, but he is the father of our souls, the lover of our lives, the one who held nothing back from us, who gave his only son that we might live. He is good, not disinterested, but we are to persevere in prayer. And what I love about this is, is Jesus says all of these things in God's heart will be done. So if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If we knock, it will be open to us. I love what Spurgeon says about knocking. He is so definite in his belief that if we knock, the door will be open. This is what he says. Add force to your prayers. If the door blocks the way, knock until it is opened. Prayer knocks until the door opens. Open it will, for so runs the promise. If the angel opened the door of the prison to let Peter out, it was the prayer that opened the door of heaven to let the angel out. <laughs> Beautiful. Jesus says it's going to be done. Ask, given. Seek, find. Knock, opened. And again, that word opened is a great one. It carries with it a present tense as well, that it will keep on being opened, opened again and again and again and again, if you like. Now, Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He repeats this. This is so certain. This is so true that Jesus emphasizes every word he's just said by saying it again. For everyone Everyone, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is the, the way that Jesus would emphasize the truth. 
Truly, truly, I tell you, emphasizing the word truly. This is so true. Martha, Martha, emphasizing his love for Martha here in saying and repeating in the symmetry of his words. He is highlighting, underlining, bold typing the truth of this. And it is true because of what God is like. This is what he says next. Or, you know, or in contrast to humanity and God. Or, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Jesus is again using humor using the absurd to drive home this point. Imagine a child asking its parent, can I, can I have some bread, please? Hungry child comes and, and the parent is like, yeah, of course, I nothing would give me pleasure. But a stone. No parent would be like that. Again, Jesus says, or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent. Who would do such a thing? Please, Daddy, please, Mummy. Could I have a fish finger? Of course you can. Oh, I've got just the right fish finger for you. No, it's impossible. No one would do that. Only a sick psychopath. None of us, I hope, would do this. If you then, if you then who are evil, and hopefully by now you realize that in God's standard, we are evil. We fall mightily short. We are broken. And Jesus says, if then you who are evil, in comparison with God, because of the weight of our sin, because of the brokenness of our fallen humanity, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, how much more? Think about you as a father. Think about how you want to provide care, love, treasure, your own children. And then multiply that by a billion, 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 billion. And you start to get near to God's feelings towards you. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. So Jesus tells us that this asking and receiving, this seeking and finding, this knocking and the door being open to us, it is based not upon our performance, 
not upon our eloquence, not upon the quality of our knocking, seeking or asking, but on the goodness, the perfection, the beauty, the steadfast love of God towards you. So we might come to this, this sermon and think, well, it just shows me how, how rotten I am. That's probably true, but it's only half the story because Jesus wants us to ask that we may live it, that we might be this sermon in human form that this sermon would be so written on our hearts that we live it day by day, that we act it out in our families, in our workplaces, in our, in our ministries, in our homes, in the places that it's really difficult, that we would live this out. That's why Jesus says here what we call the golden rule. So... It's, again, it's not a series of disembodied thoughts that Jesus is putting together. This isn't Jesus's book of Proverbs, just a, a, a series of truisms thrown together in any order at all. This is a, a comprehensive, beautifully, perfectly formed sermon, the best sermon that has ever been preached. And Jesus says, so... Whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also to them. In and of ourselves, that golden rule is impossible. But for the one who asks, help me, Lord. The one who seeks, I'm looking to do it, Lord. For the one who knocks, I'm stepping out. I'm going for it, Lord. It is possible. And Jesus says, in so doing, in so living life like this, doing unto others as you would have them do to you, treating others as you would love to be treated, you are fulfilling the whole of the Old Testament. We need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock, and he will give us everything we need to live this life. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.